0: Knowing how to invest your money is harder than ever before. Dealing with stock market volatility, record debt, and terrorist attacks requires new thinking. At U.S. Asset Management, we can help you see the world more clearly so that you can move beyond the chaos and invest with confidence. Call us, visit us online, or drop by our office. U.S. Asset Management, helping you make better decisions with your money.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Christine Dolan. This is our globalist in plain sight show. And we're back this week with Todd Wood, our founder, who is with us, joining us today uh, live from Tel Aviv. Todd, how you doing on the ground?
0: Thanks for having me back on, Chris uh, Christine. Um, yeah, just uh, it's been Shabbat, so quiet this weekend, but uh, uh, things will get rolling tomorrow. We have some interviews on the ground with people here, some senior officials. And as I mentioned before, we're waiting on a a press card so that we can go into some of the areas that we're restricted in now. So that's been applied for. So hopefully we'll get good news tomorrow and uh, do some more reporting.
1: Well, we've also had some good news uh, in the last half hour. President uh, Joe Mm -hmm. Biden held a press conference here in the States in D.C., or I guess it was Nantucket, because he's up there for the holiday weekend. And. He, you know, seemed gleeful, in fact, that uh, they finally had two Americans come out on this third wave of release, the prisoner for hostage swap that's been in motion since Friday. Um, and little Abigail Eden, who's four years of age, whose mother was killed in front of her, and then she was being carried away by her father who was shot, and then she ran to a neighbor's house. And so she's all alone. She's, but she's returned into the custody of the Red Cross. And um, as I understand it, There is there was they were supposed to be going to Egypt to go to the hospital, but they drove directly to Israel because there was an elderly woman in this third wave who apparently needed some immediate medical assistance. So that's the good news. Um, The president had said during the press conference that he hoped that this four day truce for the exchange of prisoners was going to continue. But as you know, you and I know that Hamas's position now is that the when when these four waves of prisoner swaps for the hostages is complete, we have two different narratives going on. We have the Israeli mm-hmm. narrative saying that, that, you know, the war is not gonna stop until Hamas is removed. And Hamas's position in the last three days has been that the rest of the hostages, the three for one, three Palestinian prisoners for one hostage will not continue um, until all of those who are in jail in Israel have been returned to Palestine or to the West Bank uh, territory. Uh, Todd, is there any discussion about this on the ground, about what happens next? Because tomorrow's the fourth day. They talked about Todd initially. Everybody keeps on, you know, all these heads, this, this negotiation, I think, is a disaster. I mean, all these kids, these little tiny kids should have been the first wave going out. And, and but, you know, here here we are. What's what are you hearing on the ground over there?
0: Well, um, you know, I've mostly just seen the Israeli perspective here, of course, and they, they are it's to them. It's an existential threat. Mm-hmm. But you have a big division in Israeli society. You have a lot of pressure to get the hostages out pressure on the Netanyahu government which they blame for allowing or not stopping this uh attack on October 7th from happening so that that that's kind of the division on the ground a lot of anger uh in the civilian you know man on the street uh, against p- parts of the government uh, there's been as we mentioned last time or maybe it wasn't on this show i've had one a day or two a day for several days now but that uh, there there was a report in uh, haaretz that some of the Israeli uh, lower ranking uh, enlisted women down along the border had been screaming for a long time that something was happening, sending intelligence up, and one of the senior and Israeli officials said, you know, be quiet or we'll put you in jail." So that's been out. So again, I want to find out why this happened, how it was allowed to happen. I think that's a story that nobody's talking about and that we want to delve into. But the Israelis see Hamas as an existential threat. The security people want to destroy them. They don't want to be living next to this threat anymore. And, you know, on the Palestinian side, uh, they are fighting the info war and talking about the large numbers dead on the ground in in Gaza. So it's an information war. And um, so far, it looks like they have forced this four-day ceasefire, but um, you know, if it continues, that's a win for Hamas. And they, they definitely want the, the ceasefire to continue. So we'll see what happens.
1: What's the conversation on the ground in terms of, I'm a, I'm, you know, I want to go back to the music festival mm-hmm. on October mm-hmm. 7th. You know, mm-hmm. when people were uh, gliding through the skies, how many were there? Do, do we? Does anybody have a handle on that number? Because I know a lot of the people that survived that were taken and, you know, they're, they're ensconced out on the Dead Sea in some resort mm-hmm. or something to, to recoup. But do we have any intel exactly how many people are flying through the skies?
0: I don't know how many. I I honestly don't. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who are aware of what's happening down there and, you know, that there is information that they held a lot of demonstrations along the fence Mm -hmm. over the last, you know, prior months prior to the attack. And there was actually, I've been told, explosives put on the uh, Palestinian side of the fence that were left there and the israelis didn't see that I, I find that hard to believe and that also they had very good intelligence as to exactly where all the people were in the kibbutz and everything in the road structure and uh where the israeli forces were so there was obviously you know likely gaza workers going into israel to work that were reporting back as you know information for a long time and this was extremely well planned a lot of operational security. But there were indications something was going on, so we'll see how that plays itself out. But the you know there's stories on the ground of you mentioned the the survivors of there's one of a brigadier general who grabbed a rifle and sat on top of a house and picked off a dozen or so terrorists for hours. There's stories of people in their safe rooms holding the door for 16 hours, uh, and and with you know people hiding behind mattresses that. And the other thing is that there were armed terrorists and then there were just kind of hangers on, if you will, people who ran in after them and were looting and and pulling as much out as they could. So the, several of these safe rooms, they tried to come in and these guys didn't have a weapon. Uh, the, the, the terror, the, the Palestinians didn't have a weapon, but they tried to open it and weren't able to because the people on the other side didn't let the door open. So horrific times we actually have, um, a book that's being written by Niv Kaplan, who's got a lot of these mm-hmm. stories, who's one of our authors at uh, Vindicta Press. So that's going to be coming out. I uh, met with him yesterday. And so that will be in the pipeline. But a lot of horrific stories. And then you have the stories in Gaza, of even on the Christian side in Gaza, of churches being bombed, et cetera. So there's a lot of information. that's fog of war, but it, it's going to come out and um, the chips will fall on both sides. You know, this morning, I sent you, because I I know you're you're so busy
1: in the ground over there, I sent you one of the stories that people are putting out about how, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there was rape, of course, Mm -hmm. there's rape and war, we we know that, Mm -hmm. you and I both know that having been in the theaters, but, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's acting as if the rape is war in this particular October 7th event, it's the first time that, you know, rape is used as as a weapon in a war theater. That's just not true. I mean, mm-hmm. we know it, we know what happened in Rwanda. We know that it happened in, in Balkans. We know that it's happened in, you know, in Mosul. For God's sakes, I mean, with the, the Yazidis and everybody. So, it, why is that being highlighted as if this is the first time? I mean, anybody who's been to a war zone knows knows that this happens. Is that my, part of the disinformation? Do you my, think?
0: Str- my thoughts on the strategy is that uh, whoever is controlling Hamas. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's yeah their leadership is there but it's not them that decided to do this they wanted to make as big of an impact on world opinion as possible and there's a lot of reasons to think why that would be maybe to scare the israelis maybe to engender a response from the israelis maybe to start a war i mean i I think that's why this was so horrific and yeah there's you know there's stories of rape there's stories of I read one where, you know, a girl reported they raped her many times and they shot her and then, and then they raped the body. And it's all this. Oh, it's stuff. yeah.
1: I mean, it's it's barbaric. The, 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 so,
0: yeah, I, I think that's done on purpose. Why else would you do that? I mean, yeah, there's hatred. But and I know and we've also talked about how the indoctrination in Gaza was so And you see it all around the world against Jews um, in the campuses and everything. This indoctrination has been created for a reason. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we I remember when covering the Balkans in the 1990s, everybody was mm-hmm. talking about 1389. And I'm, I'm like, mm-hmm. my God, this is 600 years ago. What's everybody yeah. upset about? But it had to do with the Ottoman Empire invading the, you know, the Balkan Peninsula. And mm-hmm. so the Muslims and the Christians and the Serb Orthodox were all going back in time, which we're mm-hmm. seeing now. I mean, this happens in war zones when people go back and they have the hatreds for centuries or hundreds of years. Do you sense what on the ground there that this is different this time than the other? Uh, int-
0: uh, my sense is that everything is, you know, you, here's what I feel just looking at this, looking at Ukraine, looking back on the wars we've had. It just mm-hmm. seems very obvious to me now that especially after the last several years, that a lot of this was engineered. And that is what scares me is that uh, they you know, we had Ukraine, they pushed for that war, they got it, killed half a million people, destroyed a country. You know, we have a reporter in Ukraine who's in agony over his country, who's just been absolutely destroyed. And, you know, and the people have left and it no longer really exists and probably won't. I mean, Russia is going to take a good part of it. And then whatever rump is left will, will happen. But So that war was pushed to be winding down. It looked like the funding was going to get cut off in Congress. And man, boom, literally within a period of days, this happens in Gaza. So my feeling is this is, you know, I could be wrong, but it just seems to me there's an ulterior motive for all of this. I can't, I don't know exactly what it is yet, but that is what I feel on the ground here.
1: What what about the conversations about a two-state? Because Mm -hmm. President uh, Biden did say today during the press conference that, you know, he hoped that the truce would continue beyond this period, this peace pause, as I call it, uh, to get all the hostages out. But then he talked about the fact that there had to be more of a, you know, examination about the configuration of the you know, the Middle yeah. East, specifically the Palestinian issue and Israeli issue.
0: Well, I think the Egyptian president, Al Sisi, was talking yesterday about wanting an international force in Gaza, you know, demilitarize and then an international peacekeeping force. Um, that means Americans, a lot of them. And that means Americans in harm's way. Um, you know, the Europeans, what are they? Who's going to step in and, and really police this area? I guess it will have to be a multinational force. But Americans will be targets when they're down there. And with the hostage situation, you know, taking the American as a hostage is going to be a high prize. And um, that's what we have to worry about. I don't want American troops over there, to be honest.
1: What what, did El-Sisi talk anything about a U.N. peacekeeping force? He
0: mentioned international peacekeeping, you know, armed force that would keep the peace and prevent Mm -hmm. Gaza from being remilitarized but how do you you know demilitarize gaza that means a long term operation by the idf because nobody else is going to do it and i've also heard that you know israel is built for six day 12 day 30 day war but they're not built for years and years and years and years i mean a lot of these guys are reservists they're mm-hmm. in the economy and now they're being pulled away to fight and it, it has an impact on the israeli society economy and you know psyche over a long period of time and, and so israel is very uh united right now that's the one thing this has done uh, is unite the population to because they feel they don't feel safe anymore a lot of the people have moved away from the borders in the north especially and along the gaza border they've been removed by the military or told to leave so that is a big you know israel doesn't have a lot of land so those people are now in tel aviv and elsewhere i'm hearing that from the airbnb operators here that a lot of you know israeli citizens are in the airbnbs instead of tourists uh, and so, how do you move them back to those areas? I mean, that's, and that's, and then what happens in the north where Hezbollah is, has a big force? So if Gaza is demilitarized, you're going to have to deal with the north as well. It's a it's a mess. In, so in let's talk, let's talk
1: yeah. about the north because mm-hmm. uh, you know there's it's not just what's happening in Gaza it's what's happening in the north, it's the response in the West Bank. It's I think the last count I saw was 37. Of um, U.S. troops have been hit, you know, in Syria mm-hmm. and Iraq. Let, let's just go around here. So in the north, people have been told by the IDF to get out of their homes because of the 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 Hezbollah attacks. Has that increased? Or are they just it's shooting still? People? It's
0: still ongoing. I mean, it's actually not been as severe as many think. And so I was talking to an Israeli defense official here, and he's like, "If, if it's a problem, they have 150,000 plus." very powerful rockets. They have an army on the border that can't exist forever. So either there's going to be some kind of U S solution pressure on Lebanon to move them away from the border, or there's going to have to be a military solution. So uh, that's where it is. It's going to have to be dealt with now. So we don't know how.
1: So what's Beirut saying at this point in time,
0: this is what I have not heard the reaction from them. That's, one thing I want to focus on in this next week is really what's going on up there. And, and, but there's still daily, you know, I read the IDF updates every day and there's missile attacks, projectiles, uh, artillery, all kind of stuff still being fired out of, you know, Lebanon into Israel. So, uh, that's a problem too. How many
1: people have been evacuated from, from, from Northern, um, Israel?
0: I've heard about 60,000 total from both areas. Um, I don't know if that figure is correct or not, but it's you know ballpark. I would assume. All right, and so
1: are, are a lot of them going to Tel Aviv?
0: Yeah, that's that's what I'm being told. A lot of them are here in the capital, or not in the capital, All right. in, and the, then in the, then we, the city.
1: Then we have a special envoy, Satterfield, mm-hmm. who was appointed by President Biden to oversee the Middle East and the hostage situation. Is does he have any presence on the ground over there?
0: You know, I've been mainly in Tel Aviv, so I haven't seen that. And mainly meeting with people on the street and connections mm-hmm. that I know. I haven't, you know, you know, like you just told me Biden had a press conference. I haven't been following the international news, so I don't. I can't answer that question, to be honest. Okay,
1: Because um, that that's somebody? You know, I mean, when when this first broke out and Blinken was doing his hopscotching, you know, from El Sisi to King Abdullah and, and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we know that behind closed doors, Blinken was not quite welcome mm-hmm. by some of his statements and suggestions to LCC and King, King Abdullah. Uh, but then Satterfield was appointed. So he, to me, he is somebody to watch to find out, you know, what's going on. Because I, I take a look at this hostage negotiation, and I, I think it's a disaster. It, it potentially could blow up in everybody's faces because of what Hamas is now saying that they want. They want everybody that's in jail to be released and we're, and no one's going to get the rest of the hostages after this 4-day truce. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, 240 hostages and we have 13 or 17 or 20 a day. That doesn't really put a dent into the volume. I mean, that's that's only, you know, that's about 198 200 more hostages that have to get out. And they have not you know some of the some of the fathers and grandfathers are still there so they've let the women and the children but but you know <laughs> the families are still broken up so that the bereavement and the worry over this is just something that's very real what is i mean when you say that the people in israel are united how far do they want their government to go at this point in time are they just sick of hamas they're uh, sick they of-
0: want they want the hamas issue removed from Gaza. So what, where that looks like, uh, I don't know, but it's kind of a schizophrenic because then you want, they want the hostages back too. So, you know, once the hostages are removed then you know, Hamas is vulnerable to, you know, IDF just destroying their entire infrastructure. So that's, I don't think those hostages are going to get released for a long time um, because they're a bargaining chip, right? I mean, it's really an existential threat to them now because Israel has shown, I don't think Hamas realized how Strong the response would be, and it has been very strong, and I think that is going to continue. So the hostages are likely in trouble for a long time.
1: You know, I, I, I have to, I was, as you were saying that I was reflecting mm-hmm. upon um, what the meeting that was in Riyadh. I think it's two week, two weekends ago, mm-hmm. and you know when a lot of the Arab leaders in the region came together, and several of them said, you know, we need to praise Hamas. And I kept on thinking, how can you praise somebody who kidnaps a child? Yeah, you know. And, well, and, and that, but again, if the if if the idea is to get these people that are in Israeli jails home, maybe maybe that's maybe that's how you do it. You know. Oh, this is time-
0: very well thought out. I I think it's very well calculated, very sophisticated operation, and there is a plan. I'm sure they war gamed all this out. It didn't happen overnight. All this capability of flying in, where they would go, mapping out who would do what, uh, that was all planned for a long period of time. So uh, I think the the terror aspect of it is planned as well. And, you know, brutality is just part of that game. So, again, I I think the hostages are in trouble. Uh, And I don't – the issue is going to be whether this ceasefire continues or not. That's the big issue. And we'll see how that plays out. And we have to
1: remember that um, Sinwar, who is the Mm -hmm. the mastermind behind, allegedly behind the October 7th attack, was in, was, (laughs) he, he was released from jail the last go around when Netanyahu was involved with the hostage exchange Mm -hmm. for the prisoners. So, you know, I forget how many were, but there are over a thousand. I think prisoner Sinwar was one of them for Shalat when Shalat was held for five years. So, mm. you know, may, maybe this is maybe this is the game that, that you know we've seen over and over again. Even we've seen it, we saw it in Sudan and Darfur. We've seen mm-hmm. it, you know, in Bosnia. So it's uh, it, it's it works. There's no doubt about it. It works. That's but,
0: true. And and um, Biden, you know, raising the value of the hostages from his podium, bully pulpit is not a good thing for any American traveling around the world, because now you're much more valuable than you were before.
1: That's right. I've been, I've been quite annoyed just when, when I listen to, you know, the, the, the self aggrandizement by some of these heads Mm -hmm. of state thinking that this is, you know, this is just wonderful. We, on the surface, yes, we want people to be home. We want them to be safe and get some help. But at the same time, it raises the value of anybody when they're, Mm -hmm phrasing it because that just means somebody smart enough to kidnap somebody to demand something. And there was a time when we didn't negotiate with with terrorists on this level.
0: This is true. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's going to be an interesting year to see how, because I think the response from America will change depending on how the election goes. Well, let's talk about that. Why don't we
1: take a break and come back and talk about um, how this is going to impact 2024 because there is a lot going on here at home when you're over there um, in Israel. It's going to be a good day.
0: And beef this Monday. We do have a little bit left available here. Check us out, familyfarmbeefbox.com. Thanks, have a good day.
1: All right, so uh, let's get on to 2024. So, over the weekend, Saturday, Dean Phillips, a congressman uh, who has declared his presidency for the Democratic uh, nomination who voted for, for Biden and who supports him and supports his policies. He he wrote on a, on Twitter or X, I guess we call it X these days, um, that anybody who thinks that Biden can beat Trump is delusional. So we've gone from deplorables when Hillary ran to delusional, mm-hmm. which is now, I guess, it's the, the D campaigns here in the States. Um, Do you hear anything over there in terms of the 2024? Is that even part of a discussion with anybody or people asking about this? Is there any criticism of Biden?
0: I haven't really heard that. I think what comes across here is Israelis are very, especially the IDF, is very dependent on the U.S. So they are for artillery shells, for ammunition, for diplomatic support internationally and so they are very loath to criticize the you know the the biden administration um and even talk about the election because they don't want to lose any support they're getting and it's very you know i find it fascinating you have the biden administration which is infiltrated obviously with iranian influence because one from the national security council just got removed and there Mm -hmm. are more and we know their names Mm -hmm. and then you have overt support for israel and so it makes you wonder, you know, which side, wh- which, what game is being played here? Um, I think the support for Israel is probably uh, a monetary issue and just trying to you know, maintain their coffers being filled by certain lobbyist groups, but the Iranian influence is real too. So I don't know um, how this is gonna play out, but I do know that once a new president is in office, this will change radically. Most you know,
1: with, with with things that I'm watching here politically, there were about 500 of um, they called the Biden alumni people who have worked mm-hmm. in the Obama Biden um, administration, or they're working for you know right now during the Biden mm-hmm. administration. But they signed a petition, um, basically mm-hmm. criticizing Biden's support for Israel, which was I thought very interesting. So this these are people these they're not losing their jobs, okay? But mm-hmm. and they're. You know, and they have a different different narrative than the president. Um, but you know, all is not well at home, especially with you know people like Dean Phillips saying it's delusional if you think that Biden can beat Trump. And also, we just posted another story today. Um, Trump was down in South Carolina, which is mm-hmm. where you know Tim Tim Scott it was is a U.S. senator, and he just dropped out of the GOP race. And Nikki Haley is you know courting. Wall Street, but that's her home state, and Trump is p- keeps on picking up more and more support in yeah. South Carolina. So, I mean, this is this is a poker game that has many, many layers. Um, do Do you think that uh, you know one one of the stories? I, I think that uh, that struck me very early on, and I'm just not I don't know a lot about the Iron Dome. Okay, so I'll just put mm-hmm. that out there. But I remember hearing very early on that because it had been punctured okay on october 7th that we had some equipment related to the iron dome in the united states and we were shipping it over to israel have you heard anything about that on the ground
0: oh, i think a lot of that's produced here uh, again i'm not an expert either but i i read a report today that they're now you know confident probably going to field early uh, a laser type platform which will reduce the effectiveness of any of these missile strikes so that'll be to be seen because it's very expensive to operate an air defense system that shoots a projectile but that's accurate that can destroy an incoming rocket but it's it's not expensive at all to you know have a heat source put on that projectile and destroyed in the air so that is um i think to be seen and that's going to radically change warfare but i do believe a lot of the iron dome is produced in the u.s and you know in conjunction with israeli what, what this is a startup nation, right? So they produce a lot of stuff here, ideas, you know, uh, startup companies, and then sell them into the US and a lot of it's produced or overseas and manufactured and then sent back. So that's all I know about that.
1: Okay, so uh, Bibi's survival. I mean, what what are we hearing about? Because people keep on talking about it here in the states, and I see mm-hmm. some people being interviewed on the ground there that are still angry at Bibi. But I mean, what's the talk right now in terms of what happens to Netanyahu next?
0: I think that uh, everybody's saying it'll be dealt with after the war. You know, so that that's an incentive to continue the war, right? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, there is some talk I've been in the Jerusalem post about some members of parliament starting to put pressure on him, but I know that he's very unpopular in certain quarters and that uh, he has, I met with people yesterday that he's very unpopular, but he's very popular with, uh, you know, the, the, the Orthodox and the, you know, some of the defense contractors, et cetera. So um, that's going to be a fight. um, And we'll see how he survives. He's had a, skill of surviving for a long time, but um, there are a lot of angry people on the street, that's for sure.
1: Uh, China, uh, in the package, you know, several weeks ago when President Biden returned to the States, uh, he Mm -hmm. said that he wanted, you know, a hundred billion dollars, 14 billion of that was to go to uh, Israel. That probably will go through um, before he did, before he made that announcement. You know, there was a pushback on Capitol Hill for the money for Ukraine Uh, overnight, or I guess it's over the last 48 hours. uh, Kiev has been hit really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Almost it almost seemed like, well, you know, for those who didn't want to give money to Ukraine, you know, here's a good Mm -hmm. example of why they should. What are you hearing anything from our team over in the Ukraine about uh, how bad the hit was in Kiev?
0: uh well yeah it was a massive attack with drones i think 75 or something uh but that's not the real issue in ukraine the real issue in ukraine is the support for the war is drying up and the support for the regime is drying up poland slovakia there's a huge uh blockade on the border of ukraine right now i I last read there's like fourteen thousand vehicles stacked up for miles that can't get in to deliver anything because they're shutting the borders the who's shutting the borders
1: who's shutting the borders
0: poland and slovakia
1: so they're shutting the borders for any of the trucks that have aid Mm -hmm. to go into ukraine and the base aid
0: weapons everything and Um, i don't i I don't know if there's a selective if they're letting certain things through but they're stopping they're mostly it's a grain issue i mean the ukrainian government was very arrogant while they're needing all these weapons and support and then flooding those countries with grain and undercutting the hungarian and polish farmers and that, that really pissed off, you know, the, the Eastern European governments and they just had enough. So there's that. And then you have the battle between the army generals and Zelensky. You know, we reported that there's lots of evidence now that Zelensky knew the invasion was coming, did nothing, even allowed it to happen to, st- to get the war going. Um, so that is, you know, to be to come out. I mean, essentially, he didn't pull. He didn't deploy troops forward. He didn't pull citizens out of the area. He didn't let anybody know it was happening, and now generals are writing that. You know, we've been reporting that for some time, but now it's in writing in Ukrainian press, and it's causing a big stir. And there's essentially a dictatorship in Ukraine where they've stopped the elections. There's no free media. The parliament's controlled, and you know the regime is you know on its last legs. I think economically, politically, there. It looks like Biden is going to force a stalemate along the lines of demarcation at this point and just give them enough weapons to survive but not to advance any further anymore um that's progress but the war needs to end i've said that many times u.s troops don't need to be over there this is not an existential threat to the united states or even europe although we've made your russia a lot stronger now um, conventionally so that that, but uh, i think that conflict needs to end and this one needs to end too
1: so over a year ago, um, Henry Kissinger said in Davos
0: mm-hmm. that
1: um, Zelensky. This is a, almost a year, almost it's over a year and a half ago. Uh, he said that Zelensky was going to have to negotiate with Russia. Do we? Mm-hmm. Do you anticipate that we will see any of that happening anytime soon? Because you know, immediately after October seventh, when our Secretary of Defense was in Brussels with Zelensky, he was panhandling to 50 other. European countries for money and mm-hmm. support is when October 7th hit. And immediately the narrative was that, you know, Putin was Hamas, which quite frankly, I mean, that's that's not exactly, you know, <laughs> that's it not exactly
0: no true yeah. at
1: all, all right? So, but, but you, you know, you could see, it, it was almost an opportunist narrative coming out of Zelensky at the time. But it was also- yeah. It was also parroted by uh, Lloyd Austin as well. But that's the, seems the Putin
0: comment? Off. The Putin comment?
1: Yeah, the Putin comment, the Putin comparison to, to Hamas.
0: Well, Lloyd Austin is a is a uh, card carrying lobbyist for the defense contractors, so you know mm-hmm. anything he says is completely untrustworthy and should be rejected. But uh, as far as Ukraine. Um, there, there is no way they can win against what they're facing. The only question now is how much territory are they going to give up? Is Odessa going to be taken? Probably. Uh, you know, I don't know about Kherson and Kiev area. We'll see. But I don't think there is, the, it's all about the U.S. Congress and there's no more will to provide massive amounts of aid. So I don't know what they're gonna do. They have to come to a solution. They have to come to a negotiated settlement. It's probably gonna be that Eastern Ukraine, probably including Odessa, goes to the Russian Federation. That's just probably what's gonna happen. You know, there were, there, know. were some,
1: there were some reports that Putin was uh and came out of you know some of the tabloids in London, but they were in the last four or five days that Putin wanted to negotiate. Do you have any do you have a read on that, Tom?
0: I think the Russians have uh said all along they want to negotiate and let me just be clear i'm not pro-putin at all i just i just look at the facts on the ground and try to tell the truth and we've been saying for a long time that this war is is not necessary and is is wasteful and brutal for no reason and any student of military history would know that bringing an army of mismatched weapons Uh, you know, not enough support and, uh, again, in a low population against a massive 10 times 10 X population and a country that can basically fight forever is just not a winning solution. You know, we should have made Ukraine a neutral state, given Russia, a border, a buffer zone and left it at that, but they didn't want that. They pushed it all the way to the border and Zelensky helped them. That's what I think. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Well, I guess that that's a, that's our wraparound. Unless you want to say something about China.
0: No, I'm not the China expert. I have my opinions, but I'm not the expert. So we'll be looking at launching a, an Asian site next year. So we'll add that to the portfolio. We'll add that to the portfolio. In, in the works.
1: Yeah, and there's in the works. And but there, you know, there was uh, I guess there was a rumble between a Chinese Chinese boat and a, and a U.S. boat. You know, in the last forty-eight hours too. Mm-hmm. So.
0: I haven't seen that. You know, I have, this
1: is after she's meeting with Biden in San Francisco at the APEC summit, where they try to put on a good face, and then all of a sudden, now it falls apart. It, see, it seems that everywhere I turn, when Biden's involved with foreign policy, there's, it, it's a failure. It's a failure.
0: Sure, sure, mm-hmm. definitely. It's, not, it's,
1: it's, a, it's a commitment for a lot of money, but not necessarily in America's best interest. All right, Todd, be safe on the ground over there, and um, we're looking forward to your reports
0: coming out, and uh, let
1: us know how we can support you there.
0: Thank you very much. Take care. Bye.